Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Well, tonight is night one of our Prove It series, and like I said before, we have an assignment for the kids. So there's something that we need the kids to do in the house, whether you're a child or whether you're a child at heart. I don't know if you're like me, you probably have a jar full of money somewhere in your house. Do you have a coin collector? Do you have a bin full of coins? Well, what I want you to do, kids, is I want you to run around your house right now and go ahead and find that coin jar and bring it to wherever you're watching tonight. If you don't have a coin jar, I want you to go around and collect some coins, some pennies, some dimes, some nickels, and some quarters, and bring them back to your parents. We're going to use them later in the talk. Now, what the challenge is, is I want you to find the biggest coins possible. So, you know, quarters are bigger than dimes, right? And and this is weird. Nickels are bigger than dimes, but quarters are bigger than nickels. 50 cent pieces are even bigger than quarters. So if you can find one of those, that would be awesome. And if you can find a one dollar, a silver dollar, that would be amazing. So kids, that is your challenge. Run around and see if you can find your coin bucket and bring it into the room with you. As we do travel through this series over the next five weeks, we want to invite you to join us. We're going to be live at five. We're going to be doing some rebroadcasts of these throughout the week. But we're asking simply this question. What if Jesus was who he claimed to be? What if everything that is said about Jesus, what if the prophecies about Jesus are true? What if the miracles actually happened? What if Jesus actually died on the cross and rose again from the dead? What if he is who he claimed to be God? And what if we could prove it? What difference would it make? We're going to start with the life of Jesus, and we're going to look at the prophecies, the birth, his miracles, his teaching, his death, and his resurrection. And we're going to see each and every week, if we can't talk to you and show you why we believe it's true. Here's a little bit about what is going to be covered over the next few weeks, the miracles, the resurrection, the prophecy, the crucifixion of Christ. And, and we want to look at all of these things in detail. Man, Jesus is one of the most powerful people in history, and it's important that we wrestle with who we believe he is. We're not just going to talk about some of the ways we can prove Jesus' life is true. We're also going to talk about why it matters. There's obviously a lot going on in our world today. There's a lot of concern. There's a lot that we are dealing with. And what is the answer? How do we tackle a pandemic? How do we tackle fear and anxiety? How do, how do we deal with change? How do we have purpose in the midst of confusion? How can we have hope? How can we have joy? Well, the answer is Jesus. And if everything that is said about Jesus is true, if everything that Jesus claimed to be is true, then he is the answer for all of these things. And we want to show you exactly what that means. 
So will you stay uh, tuned in? Will you lean in? We want to encourage you to grab a Bible. You can even grab a notebook. You can ask some questions. And we'll talk about how you can ask us these questions all along the way. So let's just jump in right now to week one. This question that we're asking this week is, did Jesus really fulfill prophecy? If you're talking about the life of Jesus, you have to actually talk about before Jesus was born. And the claims about Jesus is that he fulfilled prophecy. Before he was born, before he lived, and before he died, it was prophesied that a Messiah or a Savior would come. So let me just explain a little bit about what some of these prophecies are and why they matter. The whole Old Testament is all looking forward to the coming Messiah. If you've ever read the Bible or if you've never read the Bible, let me just sum up the purpose of the Old Testament. Genesis all the way through the end of the Old Testament, and the Bible's broken up into two sections, the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament is all looking forward to a coming Messiah. And so all along the way, there are prophets or there are prophecies that foreshadow or explain or predict what will happen when the Messiah comes. There are over 300 of these in the Old and in the beginning of the New Testament. 300 prophecies about the Messiah. Let me just show you one. One prophecy in Micah chapter 5 verses 2 through 4 says that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. It's real specific. It said a real place. In Micah chapter 5 verse 2 and 4, i just show it to you on the screen. You can read it for yourself in your Bible. But you, O Bethlehem, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. So this prophecy doesn't just say that there will be a ruler of Israel who was born, will be born in Bethlehem. This prophecy says that this person will be connected to the ancient of days, which is another term for God. So a divine person will come and will be born in Bethlehem, and he will be the ruler of Israel, the Messiah. In Luke chapter 2, in the beginning of the life of Christ, we are told, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now, if Jesus is the one who fulfilled this prophecy, Micah 5.2 was written 700 years before Luke 2. This prophecy was 700 years in the making. Now, if you're sitting there going, you know what? I bet you there was a lot of people born in Bethlehem over 700 years. You're right. And they probably had their fair share of rulers and celebrities that could all trace their birth back to Bethlehem. What makes Jesus' birth in Bethlehem special? Why is he the one that is the fulfiller of this prophecy? Well, the reason that this is special is because Jesus doesn't just fulfill this one prophecy. All of these 300 prophecies, and even if we narrowed them down to the main 60 prophecies, can be true of Jesus. Was he born in Bethlehem? Yes. So could he fulfill this prophecy? He could. But the prophecies get more specific. There's three more prophecies in the Old Testament. One from Micah, Hosea, and then Isaiah. And they say, the first one we've looked at, he'll be born in Bethlehem. The second one says, he will come out of Egypt, talking about the same person. And then the third one says, he will begin his ministry in Galilee. Well, how can one person come from three places? 
All three of these prophecies are found true in the person of Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, we read that he was born in Bethlehem. In Matthew chapter 2, we learned that Jesus, right after being born in Bethlehem, ran or escaped to Egypt. They had to hide from Herod. So immediately after his birth, he went to Egypt. As a matter of fact, the wise men didn't come to Bethlehem. The wise men in the story of Jesus came to Egypt. That's where they found Jesus. And he was there for the first two years of his life. So Jesus came out of Egypt. And then when Jesus began his ministry, when he was 33 years old, he began it in in Galilee. His ministry started, or his ministry began in Galilee, three years before he died. Now you have three prophecies that are true of the same person, Jesus. It narrows it down. There's another prophecy, just as an example. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that gets very specific about the Messiah. It says he's going to be a son, says he's going to be born of a virgin, and that he's going to be named Emmanuel. These specific pieces of information are all through these prophecies. And we read in Isaiah chapter 4, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will conceive, will bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This baby, born of a virgin, will be God with us. If you have your Bibles, uh, wherever you're listening from, I encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 1. And I'll read this for you, so if you don't have it, you don't have to go there right this second. But in Luke chapter 1, in verses 30 through 35, it says, And the angel, an angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid. I just want to pause for a second. I know for a lot of us, everything that's happening in this world right now is scary. There's a lot of things that are uncertain. We're actually fighting two pandemics. We're fighting the the pandemic of COVID-19, but we're also fighting the pandemic of fear. I don't know a lot about fighting diseases. I have to rest and rely on the experts for that. I have to trust in God with that. But I do know something about fighting fear. And as a person of faith, my belief in God allows me to not fear. I can have a confidence in my Savior. Yes, I can be concerned for loved ones. Yes, I can have prayer requests that I take to the Lord. But I do not have to be afraid. And tonight, wherever you are, if you are afraid, if you are fearful, I want to tell you that believing in the name of Jesus can help you fight the pandemic of fear. When fear meets faith, faith wins. And your faith can conquer fear. This command that was given by an angel to the mother Mary, she was in a moment where she was terrified. He said to her, do not be afraid. This command is repeated over and over and over and over again. Every time someone was in the presence of God. And when God's presence or when God's angel showed up and God was there with them, God said, you do not need to be afraid. God says in another verse, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of a sound mind and of confidence. Yeah, there's crazy things happening. But when you have confidence in God, fear does not have to be a part of your day. 
So the angel says to Mary, do not be afraid. And this is verse 30. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him a throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And the kingdom will be no end. There's a lot of prophecies there in that prediction by the angel. And Mary said to the angel, how can these things be since I'm a virgin? Angel. That's not quite how it works, right? It's not how babies get made. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, a child will be born. He will be holy and he will be the son of God, not the son of man. Luke chapter 1 verse 30 35 tells us and gives us the answer to the prophecy in Isaiah 7 14 that a son will be born who will be named Emmanuel. Again, this prophecy was given 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Now, if it was just one or two or three prophecies, it wouldn't be that impressive. But the Bible goes on and on and on about Jesus. And some of these prophecies are a couple years before Jesus' time. Some of these prophecies are hundreds, and some of these are thousands of years. But here's just an example of other prophecies about the life of Jesus. He will be of the bloodline of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Dad. Meet Jesus' great, 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 great grandparents. They're right there. Jesus was in that bloodline. He will enter Jerusalem on a donkey, and the Bible says he will be celebrated as he entered Jerusalem on a donkey. He will be the perfect sacrifice. He will be betrayed with 30 pieces of silver. He will be silent before his accusers. No bones will be broken. His hands and his feet will be pierced. They will cast lots for his clothes. He will rise from the dead by the third day. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, all found to be true in the person and the story of Jesus. And this last prophecy is probably the craziest, that he would raise from the dead. That's some incredible statements. And if that's not true, we have no reason to follow or believe or worship Jesus. But if it is true, we have every reason to believe in Jesus. Look at this in John chapter 2, verse 19. Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And he, Jesus, was speaking of the temple of his body. Jesus gave the prophecy that said he would rise from the dead in three days. So, did Jesus fulfill prophecy, or is all this made up? Can we prove it? And that's what we want to have a discussion about tonight, and then we want to quickly talk about why this matters. So stick with us. Kids, I ask you to run and get coins. Get as many coins as you can. Get your coin bucket, and hopefully you've brought that out and you have it in front of you. If you have your coin, this is when I need you to do it. So I need one person in the room to be the coin master. So go ahead and grab the coin that you found. I want you to grab one coin, and I want you to use the biggest coin that you have. And we're going to do a little experiment with this coin. So what are the odds? We're going to use mathematics to help us prove that Jesus fulfilled prophecy. What are the odds that 300 statements 
statements would all be true of the same person. 300 statements that were given over an extended period of time, some in the case, of course, of thousands of years, would all be found true about the same person. They would apply and be accurate about one singular person. Those odds are so staggering that I can't even represent them. But let's say you started to argue with the 300 number. You can Google what prophecies are true about Jesus, and you can look at these 300 statements in Scripture, and you can study it out for yourself. I would encourage you to do that. But let's just boil the number down to eight. What if eight of the statements that we showed you were all found to be true in the person of Jesus? What are the odds of that mathematically, that one person would fulfill eight prophecies done and predicted in the future? Well, Patrick, uh, Patrick, Peter Stoner, in his book about science, talks about these odds. The odds of one person fulfilling eight prophecies exactly as given. And he marks these odds as one in ten to the seventeenth power. Mathematically, that's a massive number. The chances of even eight of these prophecies being true about any one single person is one in ten to the seventeenth power. Let's look at those zeros. One in that number, whatever that number is, and it's bigger than what I know how to call it. So how do we illustrate it? This is where the coins come in. In the same book, Peter Stoner gave this illustration. He said, if you had one coin and a bucket of other coins, and you took that one coin and you dropped it in the bucket, what are the chances that you would pull out that same coin? So let's play this game. Kids, wherever you are, I want you to take your one single coin, right? And I want you to memorize something that's true about it. So what I have is I have a Sacagawea dollar. And that's the coin that I have. It's the only one. I know there's none in here other than this one. You may not have this coin. You may have a coin that has a date from like 1999 or something like that. So memorize the date. Remember what it is. Now I want you to take your coin and I want you to drop it into your coin bucket that you brought out. All right, ready? Drop it in. Now, shake up the bucket. All right, give it a good shake. Don't take any coins out and just go through this experiment. Now, without looking, blindfold yourself, cover your eyes or cover the person's eyes in front of you. I want you to try to get one coin out and only one coin. If you can reach in, reach in. I'm not looking. I'm just reaching out. All right. I got one coin. What are the chances that this is the same coin? Pretty slim. I got a penny. I lost my dollar to the coin barrel. It's stuck in there. If I would repeat this experiment over and over and over again, it could take me thousands and thousands of try, if ever, that I would get this one coin. Now, the chances of eight prophecies being true about one person is illustrated this way. If you had a silver dollar and you laid out the silver dollars that matched this number, they would cover the state of Texas and then be two feet high. This many silver dollars would cover the state of Texas and be two feet high. Now, blindfold a person. 
send them into the state of Texas, anywhere they want to go, Austin, Dallas, Waco. They could go to Magnolia Farms and see Chip and Joanna, right? Send them into there and have them pick one coin blindfolded out of that two feet that covers the whole state. The chances of them picking the one coin that they were supposed to find are the same chances of eight of the prophecies in the Old Testament actually being true about one person. The odds, the math, is overwhelming. If just eight prophecies are true about Jesus, he has to be who he said he was. God. So here's three explanations for all these prophecies also being true about Jesus. Number one, you could explain it as coincidence, but we just talked about how that's mathematically ridiculous. There's just no way that this just happened, that eight of the things, let alone 300 of the things said in the Old Testament are also true about Jesus. The second explanation is that it's a man-made hoax. Somebody rigged the system. But think about what they would have to rig. They would have to convince the world that Jesus was born of a virgin. They'd have to control the government so that the government would crucify Jesus. They'd have to make sure that no bones were broken. They'd have to make sure that some religious guy would pay somebody else who would betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and it would be recorded. They would have to do so many things that are out of control of any one person that there's no way that any one man could orchestrate all of this happening. Even Jesus himself couldn't orchestrate it if he was just a man. The third explanation is that it's divine orchestration. God, who is above all and in control of all, is involved in human life, and he has predicted beforehand what will happen, and is in control of what is happening. And that God told us that Jesus would be born because he knew. And he told us how he would be born. He told us how he would live and how he would die, and that he would be God in flesh, Savior of the world. Why do I believe that Jesus fulfilled prophecy? Because I can't see any other explanation for the evidence that's been presented. I can't argue with it in any other way. There's nothing that's convinced me that Jesus is not who the Bible says he is. When you look at, did he fulfill prophecy? I know that there's more that we can say about it, and for sake of time, we're not going to be able to go into this discussion much further. But if you want to join us on Monday night, we're going to look at three skeptics, three arguments by skeptics against Jesus as God. Why they say maybe he didn't fulfill prophecy, and we want to answer some of those arguments and talk about them. And if you have questions, this is a talk back tomorrow night. You can jump on our live, you can talk with us, and we'll read and respond to your questions and your comments in real time tomorrow night, please join us for that. But like I mentioned before, we want to talk about why this matters. There's three reasons that Jesus fulfilling prophecy matters. And there's three reasons why it matters for us today. So listen in and pay attention to this. This is super important. The first reason that it matters is when you know Jesus, you have hope in suffering. When you know Jesus, you have hope in suffering. 
Now, one of the oldest prophecies in the Bible was given in the book of Job in chapter 19 and verse 25. One of these oldest prophecies was given in the oldest book. It's the first recorded prophecy that we have in the book of Job because Job is the oldest book. And it's given to a man who is going through some incredible suffering. Did you ever think about why God gave us these prophecies? Why did God give us all of these prophecies? Who were they given to? Why were they given in certain times? One of the main reasons God gave prophecy was because there were people going through difficult times. And so while they were going through difficult times, God inserted a prophecy to give them hope for the future. And Job is a great example of this. I know that a lot of us today are suffering. There are a lot of families around this world that have been impacted directly by this pandemic. Today was the deadliest day in Italy. Over 800 people died. Think about all of those families that are affected. I think about people just here in this region that are, that are affected in big and small ways. My friend Mel posted today that her son just realized that his birthday party was going to have to be canceled. I think about the business owners that I know that are grappling with how do they move forward with their business and also care for their employees at the same time having to lay people off. I think of my friend Thomas when this first uh, started happening last week. He, he and I were praying together and having a conversation together, and he said, Josh, I'm going to have to lay 15 people off tomorrow. There's nothing I can do about it. This is hard. This is suffering. We are now homeschool parents for three kids. It's torture. It's one of the most difficult things we've ever had to do. If you think you're suffering, I want you to read the book of Job. I want you to read the book of Job this week because Job's story is a story of suffering. Job's story, one of the oldest stories in the Bible, is the story of a businessman who lost his entire business. He was one of the wealthiest men in the world at that time, and everything that he had was taken from him in a single day. Job was a father who lost his family. In that same day, Job heard that his family, his ten kids, were all in a tragic accident, and all ten of his kids were killed. Job lost his health. In the midst of all this, he was struck with a disease, a painful disease, and it inflicted him personally, and he was suffering every day with this disease. He lost his livelihood, he lost his family, and he lost his health, and his wife was mad at him. She was suffering too. And in the midst of the suffering, Job received this prophecy. And in the prophecy of Job, it looks forward to a coming Redeemer who will live in the end. And Job says in chapter 19, verse 25, For I know my Redeemer lives, and in the end he will stand on the earth. And Job took hope in his present suffering that the Redeemer would win in the end. He had confidence in his God and in his Savior, no matter what would come, that his Savior would see him through. Listen, we can get through this. 
There is a day and a step ahead. And sometimes we have to take it one step and one day at a time. But do not lose hope. And when you know Jesus, you know that your Redeemer lives and that he will stand in the end. And you can have confidence and hope and joy and strength in him. Prophecy in Jesus gives us hope. It gives us strength. The second reason why prophecy in Jesus matters is because when you worship Jesus, you have joy in living. When you worship Jesus, you have joy in living. Think about some of those things that give you joy. Some of those things that make you happiest, right? And, and maybe, it's, maybe it's your kid laughing. When my son laughs, Mr. Will, when he laughs, I just can't not smile. It's one of the greatest moments of my day. When that kid belly laughs, and he belly laughs a lot. Think about that song that you hear on the radio. Think about that moment that you get to spend with a loved one. Think about those times. Now, worship, worship is an outpouring of joy when you are connected with God. Worship is a celebration of a relationship with the God of the universe. Today I was watching on uh, social media the story of our friend, my friend Lily. Lily's a part of Branch Life Church and Lily's been through a really difficult season before this. But Lily is a senior in high school and Lily is now losing all of the things that seniors get in their senior year. Sounds like there's not going to be a prom. It sounds like there's not going to be a graduation. It sounds like there's not going to be a lot of things that seniors work for and look forward to. And with everything that had already happened to Lily and with everything that was happening, Lily was losing joy. She said one of the things that brought her joy back was the ability to worship God. And you know what she did today? She posted a message where she sang a worship song for all of us to hear. It's one of the most powerful things. In Psalms chapter 16 and verse 7, if you have your Bibles, you can run there. We have another prophecy that was given. And this, this prophecy in Psalms chapter 16 is pretty cool because Psalms are songs. Song, psalms are worship songs given by God. And it's an amazing thing that God chose a song to give a prophecy about Jesus. So in Psalm chapter 16, starting in verse 7, let me read this one for you. It says this, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he's my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices and my flesh dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let the Holy One see corruption. That's the prophecy. In the New Testament, it points back to this psalm and says that's a picture of Jesus who will not be abandoned to death, but will rise again. And God will not allow you to be abandoned to death. God can be your confidence and your strength. And when you worship that God, you're able to have joy no matter the season. Listen to this last verse. You make me known. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures 
forevermore. If you're down, if you're struggling, if you're losing hope, if you're losing joy, go to Psalm chapter 16 and worship God. It's the path of life. It's the fullness of joy. It's the pleasure forevermore. When we worship God, we have joy in living. I need more joy in this season. That means I need more worship. Worship is important. Christian, lean into worship. Make worship a priority. Worship in your homes. Worship when you're by yourself. Worship together online. But keep worshiping God and find the fullness of joy that's in it. And the third reason why it matters is when you follow Jesus, you have salvation from sin. When you follow Jesus, you have salvation from sin. Last week, I listened to other churches online. I was encouraged by what was shared. And other churches talked about salvation in Jesus. Other churches talked about how Jesus is the answer, how Jesus is God. And other churches talked about how Jesus gives hope and how Jesus gives joy. And if you're out there and you're listening live or on the rebroadcast and you don't know Jesus, tonight what you need in this season, what you need in this pandemic, how you get hope, how you get joy, how you get confidence is Jesus. You need Jesus. Why are we talking about Jesus over the next five weeks during a pandemic? Because we believe Jesus is the answer for a broken world. And we believe that Jesus is an answer for you. And we want to invite you to accept Jesus in your life. When you follow Jesus, you have salvation from sin. John chapter 3 is a powerful, powerful scripture. And I just want to remind you what John chapter 3 verse 16 says. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You can have life eternal if you believe and follow the name of Jesus. Follow the person and work of Jesus. But have you ever read John chapter 14, John chapter 3 verses 14 and 15? The two verses before the most famous verse in the Bible talk about a pandemic. It talks about disease. And it talks about disease hitting an entire culture. In John chapter 3 and verses 13 and 14, it says, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended into heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. John chapter 3 verse 14 points back to a story in the Old Testament where the people wandering through the wilderness, two million people were attacked by snakes. And snakes started to bite people and they started to get sick and they started to die. And this was something that was spreading through the entire camp and millions of people were being affected. And God told Moses to raise up on a cross a serpent in the wilderness. And every person in that pandemic who looked at the cross, who looked at the cross and had faith, lived. They were healed. And Jesus said, listen, I am the one who is lifted up on the cross. I am the one that can heal your sickness and that can heal your disease. What you simply need to do is to look to me and to trust in me. Are you someone who trusts in Jesus? Have you accepted Jesus? Have you asked him to be your savior?
that church service that I watched last week invited people into a relationship with God. And over 2,000 people responded that they needed to begin a relationship with Jesus. Is that you? Are you someone that needs a relationship with Jesus? Have you ever put your faith and trust in him? It's not a religion. It's not a system. It's simply believing in Jesus, that he is who he says he was. Tonight, I want to invite you and everyone who's listening to respond. If you're here and you need a little bit more hope, if you're hearing this and you need a little bit more joy, if you're hearing this and you need a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to take that step. Right now, Pastor Scott is posting on our live stream a link that you can follow, and it's simply a response card that everyone can fill out online. And we want to invite you into a personal relationship with Jesus or back into a relationship with Jesus. And if, it's very simple. All you need to do is put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I did this when I was a young man, I realized that I was a sinner and that sin broke our world. Why are we in a pandemic? Why is there disease? Why is there disaster? Well, it's because of sin. It's the sin of the world. We're in a broken world with broken bodies in a broken time. And Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And so when we trust in Jesus, our hearts are with him and we know that he's overcome any trouble that we will face in this world. So I want to invite you into a personal relationship with Jesus. Simply tell God that you know you're a sinner, you're sorry for your sins, you believe he died on the cross and rose again from the dead, and that you've accepted him as your personal Savior. You accept in him, you're trusting him for your salvation, and that you're following Jesus. You believe he is who he said he was. If that's you tonight and you've been able to click on that response card, you're going to see two things. If you're ready to follow Jesus and if today you have prayed, you've prayed and you've decided that you want to follow Jesus, just go ahead and click that. There's nothing that's going to happen automatically. You don't have to give us your information. It just allows us to know that you've made that decision. But if you have questions about it, you can click the second button and it'll show you some more conversation and ways that you can get your questions answered. We want to invite everyone who's listening who's not sure if they're a follower of Jesus today to make sure. And if today you decide to become a follower of Jesus, please, please let us know online. Now, if you're a regular part of Branch Life Church or if you are a follower of Jesus, we want to encourage you to respond as well. When you scroll down past this, you see the rest of the response card. We ask you a question on that card. How can we pray for you? So, Branch Lifers, would you please check in? Would you let us know how we can pray for you? Would you submit your response card online? And for the rest of you that are listening, we want to encourage you to do the same thing. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, if you're a part of another church, if you're in another country, we want you to respond and we want to pray for you. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We believe that the math shows you that Jesus fulfills prophecy and that Jesus is the one who gives us hope and joy and salvation. So we put our faith and trust in Jesus. So this week, no matter what comes, worship him. Have joy and have confidence in him. And we invite you to put your personal faith in him. Will you pray with me? Dear God, Heavenly Father, for all of those who are listening online right now, God, we ask that you would show us how we can have better confidence, have stronger hope, have greater joy in you. Renew our relationship and our walk with you, God, even now. Help us, God, to have strength in our faith. God, we know that when fear meets faith, faith wins. So we pray, God, that you would conquer fear all around the world right now. 
And God, we pray for those that don't know you, that aren't sure if they know you as their Savior. They don't know if they're following God, and tonight they want to become followers of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you would help them in this moment to simply have this conversation with you, God, that you would lead them through this time of confessing sin, believing that you died on the cross and rose again, and accepting the free gift of salvation. We pray, God, that they would be born again. And Lord, we pray that they would take the step and let us know so we could celebrate with them, God, that they've made this decision tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would allow us this week to have your uh, confidence, that you would allow us to love others, that we would have your protection. Bring us back together. Many people together at one time, but in many places, so that we can continue to worship you at the same time next week. God, we believe. We believe in God the Father. And we continue to worship you through this. As our team plays the song We Believe, which is a little bit of an anthem for this series, would you go ahead and fill out that card online if you haven't already? Thank you so much for joining us. We're glad that you've been a part of this live stream. We want to invite you back again next week. We want you to know that you can connect with us anytime online. We'll be praying together. We'll be putting out resources. We'll be doing some things to encourage different people at different places all throughout the week. So make sure you follow us on our different social media platforms. God bless.